Hey everyone, welcome to episode 79 of the Switch Focus podcast. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan. With me, as always, is Jeannie Wu. Hey. And Andrew Brown. Hello. And uh, yeah, I'm going to apologize for a couple of things straight off the bat. If uh, I sound uh, ill and flat, that's because I am. Uh, And if at any point during this episode things seem extra calming, that's because we keep having torrential downpours and they're super loud. So if you hear rain in the background, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And hopefully it soothes you. Uh, Well, maybe we'll get angry about stuff this week. Who knows? Um... So we've got nothing really to report on from previous episodes, Switch news is still pretty slim, Uh, so we're just going to jump into what we've been playing. Okay, let's start with Andrew, because again, as usual, the running joke is that he plays more than the rest of us. Uh, Ukulele is a game that you've been playing in this last week. Yeah, and I've 100% completed it, so my comments will be 100% true and accurate as a comprehensive <laughs> coverage of the game. And <laughs> this game wants to be Banjo-Kazooie, and they're very upfront about that. It has many of the same developers that worked on the original Banjo-Kazooie, and it has as its stars a duo who acts as a single character, and... In this game, it's Yuka, a chameleon, and Laylee, a bat, who sits on Yuka's head and helps Yuka to fly, basically, by grabbing onto Yuka's head and floating, (laughs) which I have to imagine is incredibly painful for Yuka, but Yuka never complains. (laughs) (laughs) And really, you know, right down to the way the characters handle this really just feels like a game that wants to be Banjo-Kazooie rather than being a successor to Banjo-Kazooie. My main feelings coming out the other end of this was I would rather be playing Banjo-Kazooie than playing this. Like, <laughs> even the music, they got Grant Kirkhope and David Wise back to do the music for this. They worked on the original Banjo-Kazooie game and listening to this music, as I try to recall it in my head in this moment... I just get the Banjo-Kazooie soundtrack. <laughs> and it does build more off of Banjo-Tooie than it does on Banjo-Kazooie, which is a problem for me because I thought Banjo-Tooie was a much weaker game than Banjo-Kazooie was. It has the same sort of ideas where it has much larger levels, more sandboxy levels, which you can approach in a more open-ended way, and you might have to come back with abilities from later in the game to get pages, which is what the collectible is called in this game, that are from earlier in the game. And the big gimmick in this game was when you first open up a level, you just get a smaller version of the level, and then you can expand it again by investing more pages in it. This basically just made the entire first run through the game feel like the shareware version of ukulele. (laughs) Uh, There were a few areas where I went into in the, the condensed levels where I looked around and there just seemed to be an empty space or I would climb up to the top of a tower and it would be a long platforming sequence and there would be nothing there. It's because even in the condensed version of the level, there's no rewards in these locations until you expand it. So it it felt like a lot of busy work, really. It felt more prudent to just speed through the game as fast as I could, then replay it for all of the collectibles and... By that point, I had the fly ability, which trivialized a lot of the game. 
Uh, Banjo Kazooie, you could only fly from specific flight pads. In Ukulele, you can fly from anywhere you want to, and all you need is a regenerating stamina meter to power your abilities, including flight. So all you really have to do is just be patient enough to stand around for your stamina to come back, and you can get anywhere you want to. Basically, whatever platforming challenge was in this game disappeared once I got the flight ability. It's just not as memorable as Banjo-Kazooie. It's not as tightly designed as Banjo-Kazooie. It's not as well written as Banjo-Kazooie. And even the things it does really well, like its music, uh, it just reminded me of (laughs) Banjo-Kazooie. This is a game that wants to be Banjo-Kazooie and succeeds to an extent that it doesn't stand out on its own merits and it's like watching a bad remake of a classic movie and you're just like yeah this just makes me wish I'd watched the original movie (laughs) (laughs) I I found this game pretty disappointing which is a common feeling about this game Uh, yeah it's easily passable I I played it because they've got the sequel coming out later in the year ukulele and the impossible labyrinth Uh, it's up in the air if I'm even going to get that one now after playing this, but that one might stand out on its own and be more its own thing, or it might be Donkey Kong Country. (laughs) Either way, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, ukulele was a disappointment. With your analogy about the movies, all I could think of was Vince Vaughn in Psycho for some reason. Oh, that movie was (laughs) obnoxious. Yeah, we're going to talk about plagiarism a little bit a little bit later on here too. But yeah, that movie, which was not just a remake, but they actually copied the shots. It's like, yeah. I may as well watch the original Psycho, which is a better movie exactly. and a great movie, by the way. So, um, so uh, that segued nicely from one violent media to the next. Uh, I've been playing uh, my friend Pedro. Uh, which was one of those highlighted in a previous uh, Nindies showcase that uh, it was in my top three. Uh, and I was worried I wasn't going to get time to play it, but I got reassurances that it wasn't that long. Uh, so I, I decided to anyway. Uh, did you either of you two get a chance to play this at all? No. no. Cool. So um, off the back of uh, me playing Katana Zero, it's uh, basically another side-scrolling murder simulator. Uh, the gimmick here is that you can uh, slow down time and do some like really cool John Woo style leaps and flips through the air, bounce off walls, uh, dual wield and shoot in two spots at once, and it's like super stylish. But uh, I did have some issues with it. I didn't enjoy it quite as much as I thought I would. It's basically just it's it's fun, but it's a little vapid. The levels, I I had the worry that it was going to be, you know, quite samey all the way through. They do mix things up nicely with uh, interesting puzzles and different gimmicks, and you're constantly being challenged by uh, by new things. Um, the the slow motion stuff that is like the core thing. Um, I thought that would factor more into like the puzzly elements. Um. But it's it's metered, but very generous, and it regens extremely quickly, especially when you're you're bagging the kills. Uh, so it does. There's no like mechanic to it. I like. I felt like I could just do it throughout a whole level and not worry about running out. And and I got to a point where I was barely using it because it it really wasn't needed. Uh, 
so it's just it feels like it's just there because it looks really cool rather than you know providing an interesting mechanic to to benefit the gameplay uh, it might be a bit diff- different in the harder modes i haven't uh checked those out um but yeah that that is uh probably something that plays more onto the uh score attack stuff because you do get scored every level but I'm not really into score attacking, so it's not not something I'm gonna, you know, keep going back to 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 try and improve my score. Uh, oddly, I did feel that the the scoring was uh, maybe unbalanced because I, I felt like some of my better runs were getting me lower s- scores than some of my rubbish ones. But uh, yeah, I I didn't really derive much enjoyment from that. Uh, I. The the moment to moment gameplay is is really fun and just figuring out how to, you know, get from room to room. Uh, yeah. The one thing that did make me laugh is the, the the design of the levels. So it's it's a platformer. It takes you through like urban areas, through buildings, through skyscrapers, um, and it just had me wondering who the who the hell the architects were of these buildings because they just they make no sense whatsoever in in real world terms. But uh, yeah. Uh, the humour uh, is a bit hit and miss. The story is uh, fairly non-existent, but it does um, sort of contextualise the reason for your character donning this mask and going through and just gunning down all these uh, bad guys. Um, it pokes fun at a lot of things. So it, it makes fun of hardcore gamers, so they, they might find themselves a bit angry at this one. Skull of the Earth. Yeah. It does that <laughs> pretty much. They uh, all the the hardcore gamers dwell in sewers because uh, all the violent video games they've played have had sewer levels, and of course, it's corrupted their brains. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, overall, it's it's a fun ride, and I'm, I'm I'm glad I played it. I enjoyed it moment to moment, but it's not as memorable or as as clever as I hoped it was, and it's certainly uh, not as challenging in a fun way as say Katana Zero was. So, um could have been maybe that was a factor maybe i just had so much fun on katana zero it sort of changed my expectations on this one a little bit but yeah i'm, I'm glad i played it i think anyone who plays it will have a fun time uh just it don't expect it to blow your socks off uh yeah it's good but not great talking of uh, games i keep trying to segue naturally uh talking of games that uh may have had my uh expectations ruined by stuff I've played before. We're going to move on to Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Um, now, before we get into the meat of it, uh, I would say, Andrew, you're probably the, the Castlevania fan on the team. Apparently. I wouldn't have thought so, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or at least you've experienced enough to be able to compare the two, because, of course, this is one of those, like Ukulele, it was... Um, developed by former Konami employees who have disbanded and and then formed their own company to sort of create a spiritual successor specifically to... People keep saying Symphony of the Night. I don't know why they're saying that, but okay. <laughs> because people love Symphony of the Night. I'm not so hot on it, but anyway, it's extremely exhausting having played more games than everybody else. So yeah. <laughs> no, this if this game is a spiritual successor of any specific Castlevania game, it's Aria of Sorrow. And I'm not familiar with that one. Yeah, I, I'm hearing <laughs> blank stares yeah, right now. <laughs> <laughs> Tumbleweed. Uh, like I said, uh, this is 
really drawing from Aria of Sorrow, but really, if you want to get right down to it, what this game is, is a continuation of the series of Castlevania games which were on the DS, because it draws elements from all three of those games. It has the shard system uh, is identical to the soul system from Dawn of Sorrow, uh, including powering up your shards with the more of them you get by killing enemies and they randomly drop from enemies so gotta catch them all uh <laughs> when aria of sorrow came out pokemon was still fairly new so that was still a, a new idea uh and the weapon combo attacks that you can power up with use that comes from uh portrait of ruin and also the side quests and the character designs and themes are drawn from order of ecclesia so basically if you take out those God, it's been 15 years, 10 or 15 years of Castlevania games that never happened. This is sort of like the game that should have happened right after Order of Ecclesia, maybe the first game that came out on the 3DS. This is kind of what that game should have been expected to be if Konami hadn't retreated, basically, from game development. Accurate. Well, they still make games, it's just Pachinko Machine. (laughs) Pachinko Snake Eater. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so obviously I can't compare between... Because I think the only Castlevania game I've played has been uh, Lord of Shadows, which I enjoyed a lot. Mm. Didn't touch the sequel because I heard that was bad. Uh, Which, that game is nothing like the Castlevania games that everybody else thinks of as Castlevania, where Metroidvania came from. Absolutely not. Um, But um, my first thoughts... So I was really excited for this based on the trailer and, you know, from what I played of... uh, Curse of the Moon, which is, you know, a different developed team, but made as a precursor to this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and my first thought when I booted it up was, wow, this looks really rough. Uh, yeah. I hadn't seen any of the other versions. I've since watched a PS4 video, and it looked comparable, so I, I may be being a little harsh there, but I'm sure the definition is definitely lower on the Switch. I, th- um, I think with a kickstarted budget, with the mm-hmm. amount of money they were working with... Going for 3D polygons was a mistake, because <laughs> uh, th- mm-hmm. this game, it doesn't look bad, but what? it doesn't... I like how it looks. Okay. What? Okay. Ginny can be our voice of dissent. I- I'm, a... <laughs> I'm not... It's not a bad-looking game, really, but I- I'm disappointed with how it looks, especially with the sprite-based work that Castlevania has worked from in the past. This feels like an attempt to evolve, which has failed. Um, also, uh, there's, you know, there's a lot of uh, visual issues with this. So um, when you encounter a character and you talk to them, it does like a zoomed up version of the character. Mm-hmm. Like it straight up looks like PS1 FMV, oh, complete with it's not that a- color bad. artifacting. It's, it, it, not it's that just bad. so it's just so full of artifacting uh, that it's unbelievable it's like okay another comparison it's like watching a dvd on a 4k tv like you you can just see it's off yeah um what i what i will say is that i played some in handheld today while while watching tv and Mm -hmm. the visuals are a lot better in handheld and i felt that it just generally ran ran better in handheld um i don't know if this extends to the other versions but the, the the controls feel sluggish like it just feels a little off um, and I, I feel it's something I need to get used to just because I'm not familiar with these, you know, with the particular Castlevania games that, that Andrew mentioned. There is a very slight delay when you press. Uh, some people have done some uh, 
video capture of it comparing it to the other versions and there's a very small delay when you press a button and when the action happens it hasn't affected me yet but you can definitely feel that it's there and yeah um, to that end as well i'm, I'm in this position where because i've not played any of the others i'm struggling to see uh what is developed in a way on purpose to to be homage to the previous games and what is just you know less than perfect game design so I'm I'm in this weird boat where I'm finding it hard to actually uh, critique it with any s- sense of authority because what I think is you know hey that that's bad game design could just be you know that's the way it was and they they wanted it like that in which case they've they've probably you know ticked the box they wanted to hit. Well, this plays exactly like Aria of Sorrow, so I'm very concerned about what you're considering bad game design. <laughs> <laughs> so here's here's the thing though. So um. I was worried before playing this that I wasn't going to like it because I, um, you know, Xbox are now doing the, you know, the Game Pass thing, which is an incredible value. And they had uh, Ori and the Blind Forest on there. And I decided to play that last week. It's what I've been playing over the course of this week. And that is literally now the standard by which I judge all exploration platformers by. Um, And I was worried that, you know, like this would just feel sluggish. That wasn't the. The reason I've I've come away on unsure of it is completely different reasons. Um, so we've we've touched on like how the visuals are different. Um, the technical stuff is really throwing me off. So like uh, in the early part of the game, there was a room that I ran through multiple times without issues, and then just for one scene, I ran through attacking an enemy and as I had you know heaps of times before and then it just hung for like 30 seconds for no reason I haven't had a hang that bad but I have had hangs like that just for random actions that I've performed yeah uh, and then I you know I'm now into the castle and I'm exploring and um I've you know I hit a save point I did heaps of exploration I got loads of shards like really cool shards that I wanted to use and then it hard crashed and then so so I you know I, I'd like to give things a fair go so I, I went through it again got further didn't hit another save point and it hard crashed again how long are you going and without saving not that long but it's a lot of screens and mm. I've you know I'm losing things that I've unlocked in combat and, you know and I've I'd, I'd say I, I lost a level on the first one as well so I'm just like you know I'm kind of done with it um I'm bailing until they fix it which they have promised they've they've issued a statement saying that they've seen that people aren't happy with the performance uh, and the visuals <laughs> and they're gonna they're gonna look into fixing that comes down to that kickstarter budget thing yeah um but i want to say it, it is shame because like systematically like there's a lot of really dense rpg systems here um and like they seem extremely my thing and that's where I was anticipating I would claw like a lot of my enjoyment from this game out of. And yeah, I I haven't even really got to a point where I'm getting any sort of you know ability or you know mobility in the game, and I'm I'm just sort of done with it till they patch it. I'm I'm out at this point. Wow. I, I have no no interest in persevering hmm. until it gets patched. Oh. So, um, and sa- sadly that means I'm you know there is that chance i may never go back to it because other games come out and other games that won't launch i thought um, i thought you would like it more 
I don't know why uh, I, I thought that. I, I, I don't like being disappointed. I paid <laughs> full <laughs> price for it. So, um, yeah, I just... Until they fix those technical issues, I've got no interest. Because I'm sure, like, if I can get further and I can, you know, get some of the uh, the abilities and, mm. you know, unlock, unlock more of that castle, I like it a lot. I just just don't want to keep banging my head against hard crashes yes. where you lose mm. uh, lose progress like that. If if it was like, you know, an auto save by room, it wouldn't be it wouldn't feel like such a big deal. Like I persevered through Wasteland Two crashing quite on in the end game, but I was in the end game and I could save wherever I wanted and whenever I wanted. So it wasn't such a big loss. So yeah, I I've rage quit that today and I'm pretty annoyed. I've only had two crashes so far, and both times were fairly soon after I'd already saved, so they I didn't feel like I lost all that much. But I definitely feel the performance issues, especially in the Tower of Twin Dragons area, which is like the first area I've run into so far that really has a lot of 3D effects. It even has mm. like a wraparound tower that you climb around that rotates as you go left and right. Uh, and then the boss in that area, I had to take my headset off while I was playing because <laughs> the sound was so distorted, it was giving me a headache. But that that's wow. the biggest issue that I've run into in the game so far. Uh, but Castlevania Aria of Sorrow is my favorite Castlevania game, so that might be why I'm sticking with it a bit more than Andy is. And I'm hoping that you do come back to it after they hopefully get some... Uh, fix patches out and then you get into it and you will appreciate it more I'm, I'm just I'm really hoping that it, the admittedly severe technical problems that it's running into right now are just what's impeding you from getting into it because Aria of Sorrow is my favorite and this is basically a sequel to Aria of Sorrow that never got made so uh, uh, I'm still into it in that regard I was just gonna say I have not played Aria of Sorrows because I'm a literal infant um and i think this game (laughs) i think this game like completely whips i really like it (laughs) good i think it whips and i don't know why i think for me it's because i don't really have a frame of reference at all um so i knew it was gonna be it's just wrong i knew it was gonna be uh i i I understood the castlevania aesthetic i've been around long enough for castlevania memes to populate the internet so i kind of maybe figured i knew what the game would look like but i didn't really expect some of the i think the enemy design is just hilarious (laughs) there are just some Uh really hilarious and um, enemy designs which I didn't expect because you load it up and you're like you know the concept seems quite serious right it's like talking about like you know the transformative the transformative power of vengeance blah 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 you know breaking free and then it's like a giant cat or a giant dog head <laughs> yeah, like, the dog head that was hilarious I'm like I love this and then there's like these faces of people that just like attack you and I'm just like you know just flames coming out of a guitar like I don't even I don't even know what I was looking at and I just I just thought that was so amazing and um I've seen this kind of across my timeline I think I think pretty much everyone I know is playing Bloodstained right now and it seems like people are either having immense technical issues, like hard crashes, like what Annie described, or just kind of like delays in button inputs and mm. a lot of a bit of lag. So I haven't had a hard crash yet, 
but I have definitely noticed a delay in input even when playing in handheld. So this game definitely does feel, which for a game like this is not great, right? Like you definitely want to be as precise as possible. So I definitely do feel where you guys are both coming from the technical difficulties perspective, but I think this game whips. Just the concept is just so bizarre and I've never played the original, so I had no frame of reference. And this game is buck wild. I really, <laughs> I'm really, really enjoying it. I think because I know nothing about it, I didn't really expect anything. And because I expected nothing, the game's completely extra nature just gave me everything that I actually wanted. So I'm definitely going to keep playing it. I do hope they patch up those issues. It seems like they might, but I didn't know that it was kickstarted. I literally went into this game 100% blind. And that probably is why. It, you know, I I expected probably the character to handle like a boat, you know, or to handle like something from the 90s or whatever. And, and it didn't. It's fine. It's completely fine. I think the concept behind the main story feels a little bit pa- paper thin. I can't see, you know, I don't really think there's an overarching great meaningful narrative that will be delivered at the very end. And I know I'm going to miss something and probably get an ending that's terrible and not like the real ending of the game because I wouldn't have explored enough or something. But I'm okay with that. Um, I don't know. I'm really enjoying myself despite despite all this. So I'm in, I'm in, I'm in team bloodstained whips. So if, I'm definitely going to keep going on this. Um, and yeah, I don't know, man. I really like it. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling getting the real ending is going to require you to find a majority, if not all, of the shards yeah, in the game, which so. yeah. is going to be quite a bit of grinding for you. Mm. Uh, just uh, I was looking up while Ginny was uh, talking about her experiences. Um, the, so the the statement about the the switch port uh, is uh, we've been listening to the feedback regarding switch performance our goal is for everyone regardless of platform to be able to enjoy the game and have it run smoothly uh, we want to live up to your and our expectations throughout the QA process we have been addressing performance issues update 1.1 was published to switch prior to launch to add content and improve performance but it did not accomplish as much as we had hoped and we need to do more To address the concerns brought by the community, we are immediately shifting all resources to improve performance and stability for the Switch version. You can expect a small number of updates that will improve different areas of the game rather than waiting longer for one big update. Uh, We'll have more details as we dive into the work. Uh, Thank you for your patience and we apologise for the inconvenience. Um, Yeah, that's fine. I'm cool with uh, games, you know, launching less than perfect and getting fixed later. Uh, But... (laughs) conceptually but then they always they always run the risk of you know like that ship might sail for me i might not want to go back i might be you know other games happen yeah. while this is broken so yeah. yeah uh so yeah so uh, sadly i was hoping this was my my gateway into you know the classic castlevania stuff like because i i really enjoyed curse of the moon i wanted to keep that that going with this um Maybe I'll grab the Castlevania collection instead and work through that. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> to play the Castlevania games that you're talking about, that everybody loves, Curse of the Moon is not it. The games in the Castlevania <laughs> collection, those are not it. You need to go back, you need to play Symphony of the Night, and you need to play the Game Boy Advance games. Those are the games that when people talk about Castlevania, that they are talking about. So <laughs> make sure you're playing the right ones. Otherwise, you're going to be very confused. <laughs> Uh, okay, so l- let's move on. Like that, they've said they're going to patch it. Let's we'll we'll leave that with them. Maybe I'll come back and give you 
uh, more positive impressions once mm. that happens. I've just got no no patience for losing half the map uh, due to a hard crash. <laughs> okay, so the next thing uh, Andrew's been playing was Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled, uh, which is a remake of uh, Crash Team Racing on the PS1, I think it was. Uh, maybe. I guess there were three Crash Team Racing games. I never knew that. I thought there was just the one. <laughs> and I, I guess this combines elements of all three of them or combines content from all three of them i'm not at all clear so i'm just going to refer to this game as its own thing for once instead of constantly comparing it to another game i've played that'll be a nice (laughs) change of pace Uh, so how is it well this is a gorgeous game but it's got loading times to match uh, 30 second plus loading times for just about everything you do luckily once you're in the race if you like lose or you have to restart for whatever reason restarting it is really fast but if you're going into a new race or you're going back to the world map you're going to be sitting there twiddling your thumbs for a while and that is definitely the biggest problem with this game uh another problem that i had with this game that really impeded my ability to enjoy it in the first couple hours uh, and this goes back to what I talked about was Team Sonic Racing, uh, which mm-hmm. is the Mario Kart 8 curse. How <laughs> that game's ubiquity has kind of ruined kart racers for me. but Especially when they come to a Nintendo platform. Exactly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is a pet peeve of mine, but here it is. Loading screens are not tutorials. So when there's a key bit of information, such as how power sliding in your game works, you should not put it on a loading screen that only (laughs) appears at random. Oh, no. (laughs) It should be in a tutorial, which is the first thing you do or see when the game boots up. But uh, I had to wait for the tutorial to come up to tell me just what on earth I'm doing with the power sliding. Because when you start... when you power slide, it starts building up this little meter in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen, or you can also watch your cart's exhaust. And when that meter fills up, or when your exhaust turns black, you can hit the other shoulder button, and that'll give you a speed boost. And you can do this three times in a row to get faster and faster speed boosts out of each one. And you can do this on every single power slide you do. Once I figured this out, I immediately started having fun because this is a great spin on power sliding. But uh, what I really, what I continue to struggle with with the power sliding is how it works in relation to Mario Kart 8. Because in Mario Kart 8, you press the power slide button, then you turn. Uh, in this game, it's the exact opposite. You have to turn, then hit the power slide button to get it to work. <laughs> so I, even now, as I've finished the game, I still continually hit the power slide button and then drive into a wall because I'm not turning as sharply as I think I should be or I end up (laughs) turning in the exact opposite direction. But that's the Mario Kart 8 curse. That's my own problem. Maybe people don't have that problem or maybe people have played the other three Crash Team Racing games and they already know exactly what they're doing and they'll just slip right into this thing. But once I got the hang of it, I really liked the power sliding in this game and I think it might actually even be more fun than power sliding in Mario Kart 8. It's a little more work, but the effect is undeniable. Crash Team Racing has an adventure mode, which I kind of enjoyed. Uh, It presents itself initially like the adventure mode in Diddy Kong Racing, but really what it is is just 
putting a large maze in the game instead of just letting you pick the course you want to take from a menu. Uh, it was basically a bunch of busy work. I grew to resent it over time, but mm -hmm. it does give you a lot to do in this adventure mode. Each race has three different modes you can play it in. There's just the straight-up race, and then there's another one, which is a race which you have to win, but you also have to find three icons hidden on the course and claim them. And then the third one is a twist on time trial, where you have to get a... You have to complete the race as fast as you can, and there are crates around the course that when you run into them, they ca cause the clock to freeze for a few seconds, and you can do that to get your time down really low, like even lower than you could possibly get, no matter how well you're racing in the main mode. And completing each of these different types of races earns you different rewards, and you need all of these tokens so that way you can get to the true final boss and get the real ending and really beat the game although if you want to you can just do the basic races and you'll get an ending but not as good as the definitive ending shame i i did love the uh diddy kong racing campaign yeah it's, it's got a great adventure mode that little island you can explore like at it, it, yeah. first it looks like that's what you're getting but it's really not there's nothing hidden in this map it's just an obnoxious area you have to drive around in to get to the different courses it's it's not good. It adds nothing of value to the game. Duh. And uh, there are 16 tracks in this adventure mode, but hidden away in the individual race arcade mode, there are actually additional tracks. So there's actually a pretty good number of courses in this game. They're just hidden in this mode and not mentioned at all. I have no idea why it's constructed this way. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's really strange. Yeah, but there's all kinds of things you can unlock, like a good chunk of it you unlock in the adventure mode by reaching different milestones you can unlock new racers you can unlock new cart shapes and you can unlock all kinds of decals and decorations for your cart so there's plenty of things to unlock and then there's also coins you earn for doing every race win or lose you earn some coins and you can use those to buy more things in the shop and there's quite a few things in the shop to buy uh so that'll keep you busy even after you finished adventure mode and you finished all the time trials you can keep playing online to earn coins uh, which is nice because like you know mario kart 8 once you get to that point where you finished all the offline stuff there's really nothing to do online except just improve your global score but as a last note on this game let me just say uh i read a review that complained the game was too hard on medium and i was like oh that's just somebody complaining on the internet. I, I, I think I'll be okay. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> this game <laughs> is ridiculously hard on medium. It has the most egregious rubber banding thing I've ever seen. Uh, I got the equivalent of the blue shell, and it's this electrode that runs forward and hits everybody in front of you all the way up to the person in first place. I used it, and I through happenstance, happened to be able to see the person in first place. It hit them. They crashed. They did the crashing animation, but they did not slow down, and I did not gain any ground on them whatsoever. <laughs> so uh, it got to the point where I couldn't even, like, struggle through the races. Uh, like, at, in the mid part, the midway part of the game, I was just playing the races over and over and over until I felt like the computer was letting me win, you know, just through luck or just through pity or whatever uh but then i got to the last few races and even though i felt like i was doing pretty good i was still coming in 
like the middle of the race, if not last place. So I just gave up and I just started it over on easy and on easy. This game is too easy. Like the AI barely put up a fight, but I was able to enjoy the power sliding much more. So I still enjoyed myself thoroughly. So unless you're like a crash team racing pro, I would recommend playing this game on easy. Uh, I have no hesitation saying this is the best kart racer aside from Mario Kart 8. Mario Kart 8, you know, it has the community playing it. It has really rock-solid mechanics. It doesn't take 30 seconds to load anything. And uh, it's got, like, how many courses are in it now? Um, over 40? It's got a lot. Uh, it, it certainly has Crash Team Racing beaten in the number of courses, but... If you're looking for a kart racer to play other than Mario Kart 8, Crash Team Racing would be the one I would recommend. I really liked this game, in spite of all the problems I had interacting with it. I'm not huge on racing games, so I... I mean, the nostalgia value potentially is there for me with with Crash as a franchise, but I don't think that it's something I'm going to have a proper look at. Yeah, I get that. Like, I didn't even play any of the Crash games since until the insane trilogy last year and we were all there for that i did not like those games so <laughs> uh, and the last game we're going to talk about uh not as in depth as the other stuff but uh, super mario maker 2 that's the the big release this week uh, much anticipated by everyone uh, i've played a couple of hours of it now uh mainly on the story mode which i'm finding to be really really good yeah uh, story is that Peach's Castle gets destroyed by the Undo Dog from the first game. <laughs> With uh, a reset rocket. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Mario has to take on missions to earn enough coin to rebuild it. Yeah, I'm really digging this uh, mission structure. So uh, basically you, you'll play through a level uh, which will give you uh, money as a reward once you beat it and then you use that money to start rebuilding parts of the castle. Um then each each part you set building takes like a a couple of levels before it's finished and yeah you just sort of work your way until the castle's 100% complete uh, all of these missions so far have been superbly designed like much better than anything i've i experienced in new super mario brothers u deluxe <laughs> high bar um yeah i think the 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 reason that is is because uh they tend to be a little shorter mm-hmm. uh and they each have a hook that is designed to make you think about how to design Mario levels in an interesting way. Um, some of them have like wind conditions. So the one I'm on right now is uh, I'm not supposed to jump at all. Yeah. <laughs> and do you know how hard that is not to jump in Mario? <laughs> Did you fall for the troll coins it throws in there? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Heaps of times. That's when I put it to one side to come record the show. Uh, but yeah, really enjoying this campaign. It's sort of what I wanted from New Super Mario Brothers mm. uh, Deluxe U. Now, it's not to say I didn't enjoy that game. It just it wasn't the most inventive or interesting Mario game. Uh, then on on the other stuff, there's Course World, which is where you get really stuck into the the user created stuff. Uh, already packed with some brilliantly inventive levels. A couple of bad ones I've I've played. A couple. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's an endless mode which returns from yeah. the previous one. It where, didn't return. Where basically, that's all new. That's all new. Yeah. Okay. It's similar to the 100 Mario challenge, which in those you got 100 lives and you had to complete 
a set number of levels. This is sort of the inverse of that. You complete as many levels as you can with a limited number of lives, but you can earn additional lives while you're playing it. Uh, it's a lot yeah, more interesting okay. than the 100 Mario Challenge. I totally see myself spending the majority of my time with this game in that mode. And basically it just keeps throwing you randomly selected user-created courses, which is which is really fun. Like, I, I love using this game as just a way to, like, you know fancy some platforming and just jump in and play a load of like random stuff mm-hmm. and yeah. some some really unique stuff um a couple of the user user creator stuff uh, that i played was uh they did some really interesting things with boss fights there was this one where uh, bowser was locked away uh shooting fireballs at me and i had to dodge while hitting the uh the switch blocks to sort of allow spiked shells through this tunnel to hit him for me. Yep. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't hit him myself. That, that was really fun. Um, now I can't remember if this is new or not, but it has uh, user comments that people can place as they're playing. Sort of, I take into Dark Souls. Uh, mostly people complaining about something being unfair or <laughs> uh, trying to warn you of a danger. And I had to turn it off because I found it too distracting, and it was causing me to die more than I, I should on some of the and sometimes some of the they easy ones. they block things, which is not helpful. Yeah, so yeah, turn those off. Yeah, um, but uh, I did like seeing all the markers where people had died. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was that was really interesting. Um, but, but I mean, that's all that's all I've I've really got to say on it this week. I, I think it's great. I love it so far. Um, it's been a nice uh, antithesis to my frustrations with Bloodstained. Um, a nice escape <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah I'm, I'm going to plow into this a lot more uh, I'm not sure how much I'm going to get a chance to play it this week but I, I, I'm going to keep chipping away at it uh, this is going to be my uh, my platformer to do that on and I, I just love the endless mode as just my way to just keep playing random Mario courses uh, of course that mode's only as strong as the levels it throws you up but um, mo- I'd say I'd say I've had more more wins than losses in that that respect on on that mode. You can give yourself a much better time in that mode if you don't play on easy, because I think how the courses are determined, which category they get added sorted into, is the number of deaths. So if you play on easy, you're mostly getting the stupid courses that are just a straight line with just a couple enemies in them that somebody made in two minutes and then uploaded for some reason. Uh, so if you stick on medium at least, or even jump up to expert, uh, there might be a hard difficulty, but I don't think there is. Uh, you'll get a lot more quality levels, like levels that people actually attempted to do something in and have put thought in. Yeah. Um, one thing uh, I did want to talk about as well when I when I pre-ordered this, the the guy was like, "Hey, do you want the limited edition one?" I was like, "Hey, sure," and I had no idea what what came with it. Was... Um, not a great deal, but I got the stylus. Oh, okay. Which apparently the the US didn't get. No, we didn't. Uh, and I also got a book of uh, graph paper with uh, <laughs> the, the the Mario Maker cover on the front. That was pretty neat. Um, and I also got a year's worth of on online subscription. Yeah, nice, yes. Which uh, was a very nice surprise, and yeah, something they didn't have to do. In the first one, I got a really nice art book with it, and I don't think Australia got that. So you can. No, have- I, I did. I got oh. that. regional differences I do not have the creative spark so I'm probably not going to make very many levels so I don't really need the stylus (laughs) 
Uh, I did think when, once I've beaten the story mode, I might have a go at making some sort of Switch Focus level. Oh, yeah, that, that could I'll, be fun. Yeah. That, that we could share on here somehow. I, I don't know. I'll figure that out. Just share the ID code. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, basically, big thumbs up so far, but I'm I'm not overly deep in it, but I, I've really loved what I've played so far. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it has sort of highlighted how unimaginative New Super Mario Brothers U was. <laughs> um, oh, and it's also just, sorry, just because it's just popped in my head. I, I just love how when you're doing these random levels or even in the campaign, like, because there's so many styles to, to pick from, like, you're always getting a different type of Mario experience and it just sort of keeps it fresh rather than just getting 3D, you know, like, yeah. the, the Wii U Mario all the time. Um, I felt that the story mode leaned on the, the new and the 3D world levels a little heavily, but I just... Yeah, I, like I say, I'm, I'm early doors. So. Yeah. But um, oh, and the 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 other thing uh, I was going to mention was uh, when they did the direct about it, uh, I was worried that the way they described the three D world stuff was like too compartmentalized and away from the other core stuff. But if you're just playing it and not building building anything, like you don't even see that. You're just getting a level based on on that you know particular mario entry you don't yeah. you don't you don't see those joins but if you're creating i imagine that's that's where that becomes a little more jarring but uh other than that yeah loving it uh, just playing it I, I wondered with the 3d world in there now why is the new even here i just <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's kind of redundant uh there are a few unique abilities in the new tile set but i that doesn't make up for the fact that the 3D world tile set is just a lot more interesting to play in. But my my hostility towards the new Super Mario Brothers series is well known at this point. So, yeah, and Super Mario Maker was the birth of that. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Edgeny, are you picking this one up at all? I was strongly considering it. Um, I actually, like I said with Bloodstained, I didn't really have any expectations, so my thought was this week I would get into Bloodstained, play it a little bit, probably bounce off it, again to Super Mario, but like I said, the game whips, so I didn't even have time to think about purchasing this. I usually do, I've played pretty much every one, um, but I don't know if I will necessarily partake um, this time. Um, I just feel like there are a lot of other more interesting, mechanically interesting games out there. I know no one's playing Mario Maker 2 for the hashtag mechanics, but, um... (laughs) You um, are raving right now. What? No! I don't know. It's just, uh, it's something that I, I used to play a lot with my brother, um... And he's now not in the same country as me. And I don't really know how I feel about the online play stuff. What I've seen looks really, really janky. Yeah, it's... So it's, that's kind of what's holding me back a little bit. Because it was always like a me and my brother game. And now that we're like in different countries, I'm like, am I really going to be able to play this and have fun while doing it? I don't yeah. know. Uh, yeah. The multiplayer is the awful competitive multiplayer mode from the new series and there's video of it online already and it's got the slowed down fps and the the delayed action commands kind of like bloodstained and 
float floaty moon physics it, it just it does not look like a a good experience online and offline there there are much better games you can play with your friends play overcooked that's a good game <laughs> yeah that is really good yeah. as 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 the resident multiplayer game expert on switch focus play overcooked so yeah. much of it as soon as i saw that multiplayer mode in the direct i was like that doesn't look like anything and then it's come <laughs> out and i'm like yeah this isn't anything <laughs> you're not missing anything with this multiplayer mode <laughs> okay so we'll uh, put a bow on that Okay, guys, what are we playing this week? We'll start with Andrew. Uh, Graveyard Keeper and Super Mario Maker 2. Cool. I did have Bloodstained here, uh, but I scratched it out uh, before we started recording and replaced it with a good game, yeah. Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight, I mean... Okay, let's just, good, let's, let's just talk about Hollow Knight, okay? It's a masterpiece of a game. It runs flawlessly on the Switch, and yeah. it costs $15, whereas Bloodstained yeah. costs 40 Okay, this speaks for itself. <laughs> if you haven't bought Hollow Knight yet, you should do so. It is very good. Yeah, when I uh, talked about maybe parking Bloodstained before I had the crashes and saying I might play Hollow Knight instead, people were like ready to get mad at me and then went, <laughs> eh, yeah, okay, that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah. You should probably play Hollow Knight. <laughs> yeah. We'll give you a pass this time. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Ginny, what are you playing? I'm going to be playing Bloodstained because it whips. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just really into this game. Um, and I'm going to try and finish The Last Remnant. Um, another 15 hours in. Still don't know why my sister is hot. It's just a nightmare. But <laughs> I'm going to have an update for you um, next week on that. Because it's just uh, a game that that I have begun to enjoy in a masochistic way <laughs> i'm gonna finish the last remnant and if i have time um and i don't make the rookie mistake of trying to full complete bloodstain for the absolute best ending do it um then i am probably realistically gonna try um katana zero do it cool do it play <laughs> katana zero bloodstained 100 cool. percent do it i'm tempted i'm tempted you know you're convincing me <laughs> just get yourself some uh, luck equipment and yeah. get yourself a luck shard and then just start grinding away at enemies that are standing by doors it doesn't take that long i think my 100 percent clears of aria of sorrow are like 12 and 16 hours but bloodstain's oh, yeah. a much Doable. bloodstain's a much yeah. longer game apparently <laughs> uh so mm-hmm. probably take you a bit longer but it, it's very doable if you just do it smartly. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Switch Workers Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on, on iTunes. Um, it really helps to get us noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast services. And we're also on Spotify. Um, be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively Switch Focus community and keep up to date with the best in Nintendo Switch memes. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. And we'll leave links for those for y'all in the show notes. If you want to support the show, you can also buy us a coffee with details on our website. Um, you can follow Andy at Flamerose Toast on Twitter, Andrew at Play Critically, when he'll, he'll also stream stuff at twitch.tv slash playcritically, like uh, Super Mario Maker. 
Uh, and you can follow me, Ginny, at Ginny Was. Okay, see you guys next time. Thank you. Sorry, there's something in the background, yeah. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, sorry, is it like a degenerate Mr. Whippy just hang on? <laughs> okay, sorry, it's like the world's creepiest ice cream truck that comes around, I'm so sorry. It just plays like really distorted music, and I don't know why. Oh. Sorry, continue. Okay. He's calling out the children of the corn. <laughs> <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> Okay. Come play with us, Mikey. No. <laughs> Forever and ever and ever. I hate it. <laughs>